This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. God bless you, family. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. I'm glad to be back, glad to be on, and, you know, doing what we what we do, just like the title says, speaking out loud in depth. And I got a little something on my mind today, but it's not too strong, so we can make this an open discussion if we want. If you guys have something else that you want to talk about, something else that's on your mind, go ahead and throw it in there. But in the meantime, I want to talk about this. I was reading something in the Word of God. I was in the book of Mark, and the book of Mark says something very interesting. Jesus, now, now, now mind you, we're only one chapter into the gospel, right? You're welcome, Sister Patricia. We're only one chapter into the gospel of Mark. And if you go to Mark chapter 1, verse 40, and we're not going to study too much tonight, but I just want to read something real quick. Just to give you some context, Jesus has pretty much started his ministry. You know, he has been, you know, preaching the gospel. He has been preaching the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. You know, he has been performing some miracles. He has been accumulating disciples. Okay, and. Even at this point, I think he had already been tempted of Satan. So my point is, is that Jesus is in full effect, but he's also literally just getting started in this particular part of the word of Mark's gospel. So if you go to verse 40, I want to read this real quick snippet of what happens. It says, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him. That means begging him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, if you're willing, thou canst make me clean. You can make me clean. So he's saying, listen, Jesus, if you if you're willing to do this, I know that you can make me clean. Look at 41. And Jesus move and Jesus slow it down, move with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. All right. Verse 42, and as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed and he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and saith unto him, see thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And this is what I really want to get to, verse 45. This is what we're going to talk a little about a little bit about tonight. Now, I'm not teaching. But when he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter, that means that he was spreading it everywhere, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. That's what I want to talk about tonight. That's what I want to want to want to want to bounce off of y'all. I want to I want to get you. Oh, I just realized I left my charger upstairs. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. It's down here. Man, give me one second. 
All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All right, we back. So this is what I want to talk about. Jesus got to the point where so many people wanted to be a part of what he was doing. So many people wanted to be healed. So many people wanted to be delivered. So many people wanted to be set free. So many people wanted to benefit from what Jesus had to offer that it got to the point where he could not even enter the city. Okay, the Bible says that they came to him from every quarter. That means northwest, northeast, southwest, southeast. They came to him from every quarter and you had just lines and lines of people that wanted to be a part of Jesus. So much so that they that he could not even enter into the city. So I'm asking a question tonight in this Solid Talk family. Maybe y'all can answer it for me. Where is the line? Where is the line? Where is the line of people in the year 2020 that is just so, I don't even know the right word. <laughs> Where, where's the line of people in 2020 that is just so desperate? That's the word. So desperate to have what Christ can offer that he can't even get into the city. Now, I know we know that he's ascended up in heaven, sitting on high. He is seated on the throne. He's interceding at the right hand of the father. He has all power in heaven and in earth. All power is in his hands. We know that that's where he is. But the point that I'm trying to talk about tonight, family, is where is the line of people that are willing to recognize that they need a savior? Where is that line of people? And I know when folks see this title, where is the line? There's so many angles that you can take with this. You ain't know whether I was going to say, you know, where's the line of, of, of when we lose our salvation or something like that. But I'm talking about just the sheer desire and the sheer recognition, recognition that we need a savior. We need a savior. Now, as we answer this question, as we talk about this question, right? Let's look at what got it to the place, Lord have mercy, where he couldn't enter into the city anymore. What led up to him, Jesus, not being able to enter into the city was the fact that he healed this man. There was a leper. Now, you know, we know how lepers were received in the Bible, right? We know lepers were just people that were shunned. They were shamed, okay? I believe if if I if I heard a, a teacher teach this one time, a preacher said, if you were a leper, you kind of had to yell out that you were a leper because the, the idea was that if somebody touched you, then the leprosy would, would, would get on you as well. So nobody really wanted to be dealing with these lepers. They, they had to walk around and yell out unclean, unclean. So then you have this leper who asked Jesus, if you're willing, can you heal me? Can you make me clean? See, 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 he realized, as a matter of fact, look at 40 again. I'm trying not to teach. He said he knew what his issue was because he didn't say, if you're willing, deliver me. If you're willing, you know, make me whole. All of that stuff is included. But he specifically said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So he knew specifically I'm unclean. Right. And what happens is Jesus heals this man and Jesus already knows this is what I'm trying. This is what I'm trying to talk to somebody tonight. Jesus already knows that if you walk around and you tell everybody the things that I'm doing for you, then that's going to cause a stir. 
It's going to cause a, a, a ruckus, but it's going to be a good ruckus. It's going to cause a hoopla, but it's going to be a good hoopla. It's, it's, it's going to cause some 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 lines. And all. Jesus knew that if somebody finds out about what just happened to you and the change that I made in your life, they're going to be lined up out the door. It's not going to be the, the iPhone sale. It's not going to be the PlayStation 5. It's not going to be the latest pair of Jordans. These people back in these times were lined up to get healing. They were lined up. And I made a video about this years ago. It's one of my old, old, old short videos. I believe the name of it was called Jesus Knows, The Devil Knows, But Do You Know? Jesus Knows, The Devil Knows, But Do You Know? And what I talked about in that video family was... I talked about this exact, uh, I don't know if it's this exact one, but I talked about how there was a few places in the Bible where Jesus would heal somebody, cure somebody, and then he would tell them, don't tell anybody. <laughs> like, don't, don't tell anybody. And then if you went to Acts, right, in the book of Acts, a couple of the disciples, of the apostles, right, Try to remember which ones. I know Peter was one of them. I think it might have been Peter and John. I could be mistaken. But anyway, they were preaching Jesus. And all of the 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 relig all of the authority all of the religious people and the authorities, right? They basically locked them up. I'm trying to figure out who did it. They locked them up and they told him, Don't preach this name anymore. I think it's like Acts chapter four or something like this. They told him, they said, don't preach this name, Jesus, anymore. Matter of fact, it's in Acts chapter four, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That's one thing I wanted to know. I mean, wanted to say, but I, I specifically wanted to talk about the verse where they told them not to preach Jesus anymore. Verse 17 of Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 17 says, but that it spread no further. Matter of fact, let, let's, let's just read this whole sequence because before they told them that they got together, they got together, okay? So it said, so they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Then verse 14 says, and beholding the man which was healed with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifested to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. And they called them, and, I'm in verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. So Jesus knew if word gets out about the gospel, if word gets out about the power of the Holy Ghost, if word gets out that there is salvation, that there is a healer, if there is a deliverer, then everybody's going to going to flock. And even the, the kingdom of darkness knew the same thing. So the, what I want to ask the question tonight, family, is what is going on with people in 2020 that folks are not lined up out the door for Jesus. I'm 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 asking this not just rhetorically. I'm actually asking you, because <laughs> maybe y'all have an answer that I don't fully know yet. 
But what I do know is that what preceded both of those examples was a miracle, more specifically a change. Two things I want to point out. Thing number one is that these people, these people knew that they were changed. The people that got changed knew that they were changed. Then they went and told everybody that they were changed. And when they told everybody, hey, I've been changed, that's when everybody took a look at themselves and said, you know what? I need to be changed too, okay? I, I need some healing. I need some deliverance. I need my my hand, my withered hand. I need that hand healed. You know, my back has been hunched over for 18 years. I need that healed. My daughter who's on her deathbed, I need that healed. Okay, Lazarus just died. We need, we need him rose from the dead. People start, word got around, okay, miracles are taking place. But it was the word that got around. It was it was like this scripture said that he blazed abroad the matter. He began to publish it in many places. That means that everywhere he went, everywhere this man went, I don't try to get into it. Everywhere this, this man went, he was telling somebody about Jesus. As importantly, everywhere that he went, people knew that he had been changed because there was literally something different about him. Literally, he went from being a leper to being clean, right? So they could see the change that was on this man. They could see the fact that, listen, I saw this guy last Thursday. He was a leper. He was yelling unclean and everybody was 10 feet away from him. And now here it is. I see him on Saturday and this is a whole different person. So the first thing is just the fact that the people themselves had been changed and they were telling everybody that they were changed and people were recognizing that they were changed. But the other thing, or I say, and the, the other thing, the second thing I want to point out, and it's more so what I want to kind of get into tonight is that the people, the multitude, as the Bible calls them, they knew that they needed help. <laughs> they knew that this is going on and I need to be a part of it. I, I want in on this. Okay, what is going on? I need some help. So what I really want to kind of bounce off you guys tonight, family, is do the people of 2020 recognize that we need help? If your timeline looks like my timeline and our timelines could look different because I could be in a whole different demographic. I, might, I could be in a whole different age group from some of you guys. Who knows? But if your timeline looks like my timeline. I see and I've cleaned up my timeline a lot, but I see a lot of people who will on the Instagram and on the Facebook. I see all of these posts about basically toxic people, how you need to eliminate toxic people out of your life. You're better off with, you know, toxic. Basically, it's like a whole a whole band of encouragement of everybody coming to the realization that. A lot of the stressors that I had in my life, a lot of the issues that I had in my life came from people that meant me no, no, no good. OK, came from people that really were just selfish, came from people that really were just toxic. But when I think about that and I think about how the fact that everybody knows somebody who has been toxic and the same person that's calling somebody else toxic, that same other person might be calling them toxic. Because it's two sides to every story. 
or maybe it's not that person, but somebody else you dealt with is, is toxic. So I'm asking the question, could it just be that we're all just toxic? <laughs> could it be that we're all just in the flesh, that we all have issues? Now, granted, some are probably more toxic than others, but could it just be that humanity is flawed? Humanity is in desperate need of a savior. Humanity is lost without Christ. Humans make horrible decisions because the other thing you got to take into the consideration is this for every toxic person. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't make these posts and stuff like this, but for every toxic person that you complain about being associated with, that was a person that you chose to associate yourself with. Now, of course, there's some exceptions. You might have your parents that were toxic. You didn't choose them. You know, somebody in your family, your brother, your sister, your uncle was toxic or, or did harm to you. You didn't choose them. But the point I'm trying to get at is it's almost like a revelation to people to realize that we're in need of help, to realize that we we are in desperate need of a savior. Whereas these people during Jesus's time, as soon as they found out, <laughs> as soon as they found out that somebody was on the scene they was like where he at what's his address you know what do you what do you what do you say he ain't got a place to lay his head where he got to be somewhere where is he right where is he and why is it do we have too many amenities right do we have too many because i mentioned we'll stand in line for some jordans we'll stand in line for some movies we'll stand in line for the iPhone, the video games, you know, all of the different type of material things, all of the different type of temporal things. We have no problem standing in line for those things. But when it comes to Christ, now granted, there's a lot, there's, there's millions of people around the world who know the Lord, praise God for that. But then there's like more that don't because the scripture says that Narrow is the way that leads to righteousness. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, right? And there's very few people that find that narrow way. But when you think about how few people find that narrow way, let's ask the question, how many people are even looking for it? How many people are, 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 are realizing, hey, I need help. Hey, maybe I might be toxic, you know, because listen, after about two or three of them little toxic encounters, you got to start to look at the common denominator. Now, I'm the type of person, I'll let you know, I used to be real toxic, right? And I didn't know how toxic I was. But at some point in my life, I had to sit back and say, you know what? I'm the common denominator. I got real issues that I need to work out. And most of them I didn't realize until I was saved. Praise God for that. But, or maybe it would be praise God if I realized it sooner. But it, But either way, my point is that it's like we don't even know like these people knew in the Bible. We don't even know that we are as dire as we really are. So I'm just going to read a few comments. That's what's been on my mind, family. So you guys can weigh in on that and just kind of kind of chop it up. Like I said, we can make this an open discussion if y'all want to flip it and talk about something else. You know, who knows? A lot of stuff going on around the country, you know, elections coming out, all that good stuff. But but yeah, I just want to um to bounce that off y'all real quick. So I see a lot of people and God bless everyone that's joining. I want to look at a few of the comments. 
Sister Tarima says they're paying more attention to the flawed vessel than they are to the power giver. They don't trust the vessel and sometimes they give credit to the universe or the ancestors for miracles. Wow. People don't trust the helpers that Jesus is working through. Wow. You said something right there, sister, about the ancestors and about the universe. The universe, quote unquote, has gotten so popular over maybe like the last five years, maybe maybe really even like the last three years is where I really just saw a ton of people just give all of this credit to the universe <laughs> and even now to the ancestors. And what it sounds like you're saying is that things are happening in people's lives and people even might realize that they need help. But instead of going to Christ for the help, they're trying to go to the universe or to witchcraft or to uh, the ancestors and all of these different type of things. And, it's you know, it reminds me of a blog I wrote a while ago called I forgot what it was called, but I was basically talking about why people love the universe rather than God. And the thing about it is. People love the universe because the universe is impersonal the universe as people as people interpret the universe now we know the universe is nothing more than a creation of god but people treat the universe like the universe is god so when they think of the universe they think of it as a god but it's this very sort of randomized hypothetical it's almost like an algorithm the way they treat the universe. It's like, oh, if I had a good day, it's because the universe just thought I should have a good day today. Or some people look at the universe as a, a works-based philosophy where if I put good into the universe, then the universe will give me back good. So they view it almost as like karma, okay? So all of, all of that is wrong. <laughs> all of that is wrong. That being said, they rec they do recognize and i like that point they do recognize that you know something something is out there something is out there so now i gotta look at because then you said they don't trust the helpers that jesus is working through which would be the believer now is is the believer doing his job because this leper was a believer the guy that they healed in acts chapter three going into chapter four he was a, a helper. He was a believer. You know, he was made a believer after the change. And everybody did two things. They saw the change and they also heard the change. Are we as believers doing enough to blaze abroad the matter? You know, when, when somebody sees that you're realizing success in your life or they see that you realize change for the good in your life, do you give the glory to God and even Jesus? Okay. Do you give the glory to the Messiah or do you just sort of like kind of casually take the little compliment, <laughs> just kind of casually take the compliment and just kind of let it go where it would let the chips fall where they may. Or even still, when we do talk to somebody about Jesus, do we tell them where we came from? Do we actually tell them how we used to be? Do we actually give them a picture of what actually happened to make us new, 
to, to as he quote unquote saved a wretch like me all of these different type of things right so it could be the people the multitude that's just kind of doing their own thing it could also be the believers maybe we got to do a better job of, of blazing abroad the matter maybe we got to do a better job of letting people know where we came from and what jesus did in our lives the scripture says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they love not their lives even until death meaning you can't be afraid to tell people what you would tell people how how things happen you can't be afraid of what people are going to think i saw something on the news the other the other morning it may might have been uh might have been yesterday morning but it said that the most googled fear was fear of people now of course it's the news who knows if it's true or not but let's really think about that because that makes a lot of sense of everything you can fear heights spiders violence all of these different things According to, I don't know where they got this information, but it might have been Google. The most Google thing that people t are concerned with is the fear of people. And this is one of the things I always say. I feel as though getting over the fear of man is one of the strongest deliverances that we will ever go through. It's one of the hardest deliverances. I can't even fully say I'm there yet. You know, but I always say it's a beautiful thing to watch when you see somebody, somebody that you just know is just not even concerned at all with anybody thinks as long as they're not being rude about it. You know, but but I always say, you know, uh, Pastor or, or Brother uh, J.D. Hawk Bolden, I can tell he doesn't he ain't concerned with anything anybody has to say. <laughs> Pastor Price, he ain't worried about nothing. Sister Sharon, she ain't worried about nothing like these are just people. <laughs> that have just made it up in their minds i'm going to please god and i'm not going to please people when in in this bible when people would talk about god jonah when he got on the ship with those people and the ship started acting up they asked him who who is your god who do you serve he responded by saying i fear the god i don't know what he said verbatim but he said that he feared the god of abraham isaac and jacob Right. He feared them, meaning that it wasn't back in those times. It wasn't just belief in God that people were really worried about, but it was really a reverence, a fear of God. And a lot of people like to say, oh, you know, when the Bible says fear, it's just it's just, um, you know, it's just reverence. <laughs> no, the Bible, the scripture said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Another one says that he's a great and terrible God, meaning that he's terrifying. But I always say that it's not about walking on eggshells with God all the time. It's literally like he's a father. If I, you know, went and stole something out of the store and they caught me and I got arrested, I would fear what my father was going to do. I wouldn't I didn't think he was going to kill me. I knew he would still love me, but I was still concerned about the fact that I know he has authority over me. I know that I did something wrong and I know that there's going to be a chastisement because, you know, God chastises those that he loves. And a good parent will chastise whoever his kid if he loves that kid. So 
I think it's a lot going on, sister. I think you might have really, really hit on something there. Because remember, we're asking the question, where is the line? Maybe there is a line, but the line now is for the universe. Maybe the line now is for the ancestors. It's going to get to the place where there's going to be a line. At some point, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. And Paul said that the spirit of the Antichrist already works. It's already in operation. So what's the, what is the function of the Antichrist? He's going to serve as a false messiah. He's going to serve as a false savior. So what that means is that at some point in history, everybody is going to line up with somebody because everybody's going to come to the realization I need I need somebody. Okay? I need I need some help. And if this person can save me, if this person is going to perform the miracle signs and wonders, then this must be my savior. And that's how the antichrist is going to fool a lot of people. The Bible says that he's going to have signs and wonders. But the question is, how will you be able to know? Well, signs and wonders have to be lined up with truth. See, the holy people, the believers weren't the only people in this Bible who performed miracles. When Moses took his staff and Aaron and they did those, they went through uh, their little chess match with Pharaoh, the sorcerers, the magicians and the soothsayers, they were performing a few of those miracles right alongside Moses. See, 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 magic is a real thing. It's not just something that, that they drew on a cartoon in Disney. Magic is real. I'm talking about magic with the K. M-A-G-I-C-K. That's the real magic. Okay? And that magic, that's real. Witchcraft is real. So all of these different type of things, there's a lot of supernatural going on. But the question is, is the supernatural being accompanied by truth? Pastor Price always says it's not the miracle only, but it's what precedes the miracle. What comes before the miracle? That's what lets you know who the miracle came from. So you had the woman of the spirit of divination. She was doing stuff. You had Simon the sorcerer. He was doing stuff. I think they had put out a decree. Saul had put out a decree not to consult any mediums. And even though he ended up going to one. So it's a lot. It's a lot, but you really on to something like that. Let me see what brother Joseph has to say. He says in 2020, Christians have too many false Christs and would not recognize his coming. Wow. And that gets to what I was just kind of talking about, brother, that that, that, that word antichrist, it doesn't only mean against. It also means in place of. And Paul talked about how there is another Jesus. Not just one, but just another Jesus. He said it in Corinthians. Let me see if I can find it. He says, if someone comes to you, I think it's 2 Corinthians. Let's see. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, for if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Wow. But look at the terminology that he used. There. He said another Jesus, meaning that there's going to be some people who are going to preach, quote unquote, Jesus. And when they preach 
Jesus. They're not talking about the Jesus that is seated on the throne. They're not talking about the Jesus that died and rose again with all power in his hand. They're talking about some other Jesus that they've either made up in their mind or that was, excuse me, that was taught to them or just some, 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 someone that they want Jesus to be. Okay. I, I want, it's, 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 it's like the Whopper gospel. Have it your way. I want God, but I want God the way I want him. I, I, I want him. And I said this before, it's like God created man in his own image and likeness. And now mankind is trying to create God in mankind's own image and likeness. So I want a God that is really a little bit more like me, walk like me, think like me, talk like me, accept what I want to do. And this is what's really called humanism. And some people are just straight up humanists. They're straight up atheists, straight up, you know, agnostic or whatever. But you got other people that are like this, but they want to pacify themselves by convincing themselves that they know God and that they serve God. When in actuality, they're really serving themselves under the cloak of God. And this is dangerous because like Paul said, it's another Jesus. It's another scripture. I don't know whether it was in Corinth or another epistle, but he said, I'm paraphrasing. He said, if, 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 if me or an angel from heaven comes down and tells you something different than the gospel that we first told you, let them be accursed. I think it might've been Galatians. So you got to really think about that. Paul said, listen, I, I might even go crazy one day. I might even change my mind. Even if I change my mind, you don't move from the foundation that was laid to you. You don't switch up. And to your point, brother Joseph, in 2020, you know, there's so many winds of doctrine that are floating around. The Bible calls them doctrines of devils. There's so many doctrines of devils that are floating around that it's like it's like a it's like it's like a, a cold or something. You don't want to catch it. <laughs> you don't want to catch it. And the only way is that we got to know the real gospel. Sister Marcia says, God bless you, Sister Nicole. Sister Marcia says, unbelievers and believers want to see consistency in the life of a believer. Wow. Now, that's that's so powerful what you said, sister. She's, and then she goes on to say, I like this, too. She said, not perfection, but consistency. Amen. Now, every I always say nobody is flawless, but you're looking for consistency. And to be honest with you, people look at other people. It's just natural. And they also look at leaders and say what you want about pastors. But the Bible says that a pastor is supposed to be blameless. Now, that's a powerful word. <laughs> if you're a pastor, even if you're not a pastor, that's a powerful word that the scripture says that a pastor, it says a bishop is supposed to be blameless now what does that mean i'm about to look up what it means but my personal definition of blameless is you can't blame the guy all right you know he might have made he might have got angry he might be stressed out he might have had a bad day okay you can't blame the guy but if he's having a bad life <laughs> and i don't mean bad like his life is bad but i mean if he continues to make transgressions if he's like certain pastors, we don't got to say any names that continuously find themselves in adultery that, you know, will 
get up at the forefront. They get caught red handed and they're just like, I'm just broken. It's just my brokenness. You know, I just need to be healed and we all fall short. And, you know, this, you know, my wife is my covering. And if it weren't for her, they just start sucking up to their wives because they got caught red handed. And, you know, the majority of their audience is females and they just know that they have to continue to keep that income coming in. Those type of people, that's different from you can't blame the guy. Now, the word blameless in this concordance. Now, y'all know I don't know how to pronounce these words. One day I'm going to learn how to speak Greek. I, I'm going to try. I'm going I'm to I'm try. Okay. The one we're looking for is I think it's in Titus. So let me see which one of these definitions is t- referring to the one that's in Titus. Uh, I should have looked this up beforehand. <laughs> I'm just going to read read some of the definitions. I'm trying to Okay, here's the one for Titus. And and oh goodness, I shouldn't even try. Oh goodness, gracious. Anacletos? <laughs> Anacletos? I, I butchered it. Signifies that which cannot be called to account with nothing laid to one's charge. Wow. Unreprovable, blameless, unreprovable. In First Timothy chapter three, verse 10, and also Titus chapter one, verses six and seven. Yeah. So based on this definition, it says it implies not merely acquittal, but the absence of even a charge or accusation against a person. This is to be the case with elders. So it's talking about uh, bishops and also elders. Now. If you really just understood what that definition <laughs> actually said, uh, it said not even. And see, I got to I got to I got to take it in, because if that's what the word really means for an elder or a bishop to be blameless, not even the acquittal of the charge, but the simple fact that not even a charge should be laid against you, that places the leadership on a different standard. Now, I know the popular thing that a lot of folks like to say is, you know, your your pastor, your bishop is human just like you. And I agree with that, to be honest with you. But what we just read in the Bible, <laughs> what we just read in the Bible says that that person needs to be blameless, right? So I believe the whole scripture has to be interpreted by way of the Holy Ghost. But um, that's that's a huge undertaking. That's a huge undertaking. And when you really read that as an elder or as a bishop, it, it should put things into perspective. You know, sometimes I think about where I am in my walk, more specifically where I am in my assignment. And if I am where I'm supposed to be in the right timing where I'm supposed to be. Am I matriculating slowly through this or am I matriculating fast through this? And am I doing anything to delay what I'm supposed to be doing? And when I read something like that, (laughs) now I see why maybe I'm not doing some of the stuff I normally eventually do. Because I can tell you straight up, I ain't reached blameless just yet. (laughs) You know, and and like Sister Marsha said, she used perfection. I like to say flawless because perfection is maturity, but I'm nowhere near flawless. And I don't, I don't think any, any pastor, nobody 
other than Jesus Christ, I personally, they're not flawless, okay? But my point is, there's a standard for leadership. And I see why I ain't in that leadership just yet. <laughs> I like to get there one day, praise the Lord. But I, but after reading that, I'm not going to rush God. I'm not going to rush anything because, you know, I'm doing something. And that's the most important thing. Make sure that you're doing something. Okay, this YouTube platform that the Lord has blessed us with, this is something. Okay, the music that the Lord has me doing, that's something, right? Um, it's something. Praise the Lord. I got to check my, uh, I always got to check my text when I'm more occasionally somebody tell me like, oh, we can't hear you or your screen went out. So, but yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't that. Anyway, uh, so I like, I like what you, what everybody is saying. So let's see what else you guys are saying about this. I should have put the call in number up, but it's like 847 now. So my bad. Yeah. Consistency and growth in their walk with Christ. Consistency is so important. Sister Marsha. I was thinking about this earlier this week about deliverance and consistency and how maintenance is just as important as deliverance, because what can happen in a Christian's walk in a believer's walk is they will get delivered and then they might backslide or they might have a transgression. And then they begin to ask themselves, was I even delivered in the first place? Was I really delivered or did or did I just think I was delivered? Did I just um, have a have a moment? You know what I mean? And maybe I was just doing good for a little bit and, and I wasn't truly delivered. The fact of the matter is the way deliverance works is like this. Now, anybody who well, not anybody, but a few people who know me know that I love the show Hoarders It's one of my favorite shows. One of the few things I even watch on TV dope content but if you watch hoarders what you'll find is people will get to the point where their houses are so filled with junk that it's insurmountable most that it literally begins to consume them it begins to consume the house if y'all never watch hoarders go check it out their episodes people have rats dead cats dead possums one lady had human feces because her house was so junky. She her bathroom didn't even work and she was pooping in uh, plastic bags and just throwing it in. A, I mean, all sorts of stuff. If you've seen these people's houses, you would think that they just took a dumpster and just <laughs> it was like just load the dumpster in. You know, like I've actually wondered that. I was like, are they, do these people really live like this or do they just want to make some real good TV and they just bring in a dumpster and like dump it in, record, you act crazy, and we just about to film. But I honestly believe that there are legitimate hoarders who are even who are just hor horribly sin sick. Okay, this is the other thing about hoarders that I find kind. Of, I probably shouldn't find this funny. I don't know whether I find it funny or sad, but much of the show is mankind trying to rationalize what they view as a mental disorder, but it's actually a spiritual issue. And some of the some of the, the, the hoarders, you really cannot reason with them. So they bring in the psychiatrist or the therapist and 
they're sitting here trying to reason with this person and the person's looking them dead in the eye and I'm just sitting back watching the show eating popcorn like you know you're talking to a demon right <laughs> like this is the reason why this person can't get healed because this is a spiritual issue they went through some trauma they went through some hurt it provided an entryway for the spirit of covetousness you know the spirit of hurt where they want to be comforted by things whatever whatever the case may be they are sin sick i forgot where i was going with that. oh yeah yeah yeah. okay so imagine that salvation is like a, a hoarder's house you get saved jesus comes into your life you have a task that is beyond you there's no way that you can clean up this house by yourself if you could have cleaned it up by yourself you would have already done it okay if the if the hoarders were able to fix their condition or fix their homes they would have already done it but they can't do it. So you have to call on help. You have to call on salvation. So Jesus comes into your life. He completely cleans up the house and maybe deliverance is like, let's even let's 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 make the analogy even better. Through different phases of your walk, Jesus is cleaning out certain rooms and, and each room. Let's say that's a type of your deliverance. Maybe you had to be delivered from drinking. Then you had to be delivered from smoking, from fornication, whatever the case may be. But he makes you new. And over time, he's cleaning out this house. Once that house is cleaned, and I guess this is scriptural because there's scripture talk about this. Once that house is cleaned, you now have a responsibility to maintain that house. Because when you maintain that house, you ensure that you don't revert back to the thing that got you to where you were in the first place. And the thing about the the Holy Spirit is that he will continuously clean up throughout your life. He will, He's like a maid that comes in. He will continuously clean you up, but you have to invite him in and you have to make sure that you don't quench him. You don't override him. It's like if you have a maid living in your house, but you say, you know what? I don't feel like working today. I don't feel like doing anything today. I don't I don't need you to come in. You just stay over there. I'm going to do my thing over here. So what happens is we get lazy, spiritually lazy. We we something happens. Our room gets junky, 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 junky. Then all of a sudden we do something displeasing to God. And we 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 realize, wow, I just got back to how I used to be. And it doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you were not delivered. What it simply means from that point forward is that you now have to get cleaned up again. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. You just got to get to the point where you begin to clean up again. So forget forget where I was going. I forgot where I was going with that. But I guess my point is that, oh, yeah, 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 consistency and growth. People need to see consistency. Consistency is about consistency. But it's also about resiliency. If I let my room get junky, am I going to clean it up? Am I going to allow the Lord to come and fix this even again? Lord, I messed up again. Can you please fix this again? Yes, I know it's the same thing. I know I'm I'm calling on you literally for the same thing. But can you please seven times 70? Can you please fix it again? And he's willing to do that. We just have to comply. We just have to be willing to let him in, to let him in. 
So resiliency is key. I put up a video during the break. Some of you guys might have seen it. It was called When It Comes Back to Bite You. And I talked about how I don't want to get too deep. Just go watch the video. But anyway, Paul got bit by a snake and the snake did not harm him. That was resiliency. That was the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that when we are saved, we are regenerated. Those new genes that you have, they are immune to attack or excuse me. They're immune to venom. Sure, you might get attacked. Sure, you might backslide. You might have a transgression. But the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the venom, than the, than the action, than the attack that you dealt with. It's more powerful. So this is what we have to understand, family, about resiliency. Resiliency. Sister Jewel says, I agree, but I also believe it's a scapegoat. We want toxicity to be an excuse instead of actually correcting the problem. Wow. Toxic is a popular word. If it weren't if it weren't for this pandemic we're in where, you know, social distancing and quarantine were the most popular words, toxic might be up there. If this were a quote unquote normal year, toxic might have been one of one of those candidates for word of the year because you see so many people talking about other toxic people. And it's like my age group in the 30s, we're all coming up to the revelation of I don't owe anybody me if they're not going to treat me right. I'm 36 now, and somebody told me about six years ago that when you turn 35, you're just going to care less what people think, and I found that personally to be true. Personally, I feel like mine started kicking in around like 30 or 31, but I praise God for that because there's a freedom, and it's like collectively folks are trying to realize their freedom, but I agree with what you're saying too, Sister Jules, that a lot of times people like to deflect. You said that it's a scapegoat and you say we want toxicity to be an excuse instead of actually correcting the problem. Wow. And so in that case, I'm assuming you're talking about the problem within within ourselves. Yeah, that's that's real. <laughs> that's real. Praise the Lord. Sister um, Charmel says we've all been toxic. Yes. Amen. Yeah. That's the thing. Like. If you really see everybody on your timeline, and, and to be honest, not mostly I see females doing this, if I'm being honest. I see a few guys doing it too, but it's like all of them just, it's like they just, all of these, it's like self-help. It's, it's like the parenting that our generation didn't get. We're all just trying to encourage one another how to live. And we're coming to the revelation, I don't need negative people. And I understand it's a revelation. Because when you're young, you bond with people based off of superficial things. Oh, you like that video game? I like that video game. Okay, now y'all are like 30 and you find out this person is a narcissist. <laughs> you know, y'all bond, bonded off of, oh, that's a cute outfit you got on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and now you find out this person is, 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 is erratic. They have erratic behavior. They get, they're schizophrenic. But you done, you done became friends with them. When y'all was 16, now y'all 26, and you trying to figure out, like, man, I'm attached to this person. <laughs> you know, or maybe both of y'all was doing dumb stuff when you were younger, and then, you know, it's like you now 28, and they still on the dumb stuff, but you getting to the place where you trying to move off the dumb stuff. So now you trying to reconcile, how do I balance this dumb stuff with this dumb person? 
you know, or how do I balance getting off the dumb stuff with the person that's still on the dumb stuff? So those are things that people deal with. Like we said, 20s, 30s. Hopefully we should be out of it by like 30s. But it could be a lifelong thing because you meet people, you meet new people, and we should certainly meet new people. But I'm going to be real. <laughs> when you meet new people like 30 and up or 35 and up, you meet them through a different lens. You begin to meet. I personally, I meet people. First of all, I don't even meet a lot of people because I don't need a lot from people. I don't meet a lot of women because I don't, I don't, I don't want to build bonds you know, just frivolously. I don't necessarily meet a lot of guys unless I work with them. I don't meet people, period, unless I just, you know, just happen to meet them. But anyway, my point is you meet people and personally I assess, is this person an asset or a liability? Okay. Now that's not to say that I'm superficial. It's just to say that I have to be a protector of my peace and my heart. Is this person an asset or a liability? Some people are assets, praise God. Some people are liabilities. Another way to, the, the people like to say leeches. Now, there are other people who are people where you are an asset to their lives. And I look for people like that too. Okay, how can I be an asset to this person's life? This person, some people may not be an asset or a liability. This person is not an asset, but they're not necessarily a liability. They might be neutral. But they might be an asset from the perspective of maybe I'm assigned to help them. Maybe I'm assigned to mentor them. Maybe this is a person that the Lord wants me to help in some way. So there's a difference between somebody that is trying to impose on you or trying to leech off you. There's another word. It's not coming to me right now. Manipulate you and versus the person who is just sincere. Okay, this person they ain't got no job. They ain't they ain't got nothing what the world would call going for them. But they're genuine. They're sincere. I can be friends with you even though you don't add social or monetary value, quote unquote, to my life. You add value to my life just because you're real, just because you're genuine. And from that perspective, they are an asset. But to your point or to to what we kind of talking about tonight a little bit. Yeah, you see people through the lens of, you know, who sent you, basically. Sister Marsha says, I know I was toxic and had toxic tendencies. I thought my dysfunction was n normal sometimes. Heck, I needed to unfollow myself every new year. Absolutely. We should be, I don't know I want to say, I was about to say recreating ourselves all the time, but we should be growing at all times. The 2020 version of you, should look different from the 2010 version of you. It, it's still you, but you've grown. It's like the iPhone. It's still the iPhone, but it's it's an upgraded version. It's an upgraded version. That's how we should treat our personal growth. That's how we should treat our walk with Christ. I want to grow. I want I want to I want to be if I would you know I was deep in Christ whatever. I want to be go a little bit deeper. This year, I'm, I'm grateful for what I learned before. Lord, I want to learn a little bit more. I want to get a little bit more closer. I want to I want to discover just a little bit more of what you would have me to know. Sister Roseanne says some people are only out for themselves and what they can get out of others at no cost to themselves. 
people are greedy and self-centered. They don't care who or where it's coming from. I think you got to my point, sister, before I even got to it. Santia says, I think that people have other options other than Jesus, i.e. red table talk. <laughs> that's, the, that's a good point. Because remember, the question we're asking is, where is the line? Where is the line of the people that are coming to Jesus for help? Like you said, it's red table talk. It's life coaches. Okay, now they're good life coaches, but they're also life coach hustlers. Basically, in my personal opinion, if you're not, or in my opinion, there's no such thing as a personal opinion. But anyway, in my opinion, if you're not teaching someone life principles through the lens of Christ, most likely what you're saying is 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 relatively futile. I'm not saying that there's no good wisdom outside of Christ, but in the long run, it's only going to benefit you but so much. Like like you can put a band-aid over something, but eventually somebody's going to need Christ. And even if even if you do figure out how this world works and you master it to a T and you you amass a wealth or whatever, if you don't know the Lord, when you die, it's all going to go away anyway. So it's nothing wrong with learning about the way the world works and stuff like that. But you got to have the gospel. Otherwise, it's just going to be a big waste of your time. You will spent 85 years down here. And when you die, that's it. Life is a vapor. So so you got to get the real stuff. You got to get in the real line first before you start getting in the line for the red table talk and all the, the TED talks and all of these other things. You can you can digest that stuff. But if you don't have salvation, what good is it? Patricia says, go to everything but Jesus. Wow. I think another thing I don't want to get too deep into this, but I think another thing is that people associate Jesus with church so much because a lot of people you talk to, they will say, I tried to church. You ask them about Jesus and they'd be like, I go to church. Or I grew up in church. I went to church. I tried the church thing. It didn't work. And you're like, I asked you trying not to ring them by the collar. I asked you about Jesus. I ain't asked you about a freaking church. <laughs> you know what I mean? But 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 people think the church is Jesus. Now, I, I get it. The people in the church. Yes, they should be ambassadors for Christ. But it's a whole different thing to try people versus to try Jesus. Brother Ray says people want spirituality without accountability. Wow. That is so true, brother. Charmel says, yes, people go with what suits them, their own, uh, what people go with what suits their own desires, whatever m makes them comfortable. Yeah, the Bible calls that itching ears. Joseph says the universe requires nothing from you. Yeah, thank you, brother. I'm glad you got it. I don't think I finished my point. The universe is impersonal, whereas God is very personal. God has preferences. God has likes, dislikes abominations things that he loves god is very particular and people don't like that about god because with the universe i can just sort of make up in my mind what the universe thinks because there's no word of the universe but there is a word of god which is the bible and he gave that to us so that's why people don't like god because they don't like the fact that god has a personality he is a person and he gave us this Bible, right, for us to figure that out about him. So I'm glad you tied that point together for me, brother. Yeah, self-preservation, self-reliance, absolutely, Sister Brittany. Roxanne says, people don't want to give God his just due, his glory. That's why they reference the universe. They don't want 
to hurt other people's feelings, those who don't believe. I give God all glory and praise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, peer pressure is real. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Bowden is fearless. That's a dude. Brother Bowden is so fearless. Brother Bowden will come and preach in some overalls. Them be my favorite Brother Bowden sermon. Somebody going to laugh. His, uh... <laughs> His uh, channel name is J.D. Hawk Bolden II, B-O-L-D-E-N. But a lot of times, Brother Bolden, he'll come up there and preach in some overalls. And I know when he preaching it, when he put on them overalls, I know he about to bring it. I'm like, oh, this is about to be a good one. <laughs> but I'm like, how, mu how much do you have to just not care about what people think to just flat out wear overalls? And the funny thing about him is, is that he's not old. He's like 10 years older than me, maybe. <laughs> And I'm thinking, I was looking at him preach, I'm thinking like he in his late 50s, probably not early 60s, but I'm like, he 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 carries himself like he's in his mid to late 50s, but he's only like 46, you know, something like that. I don't know how old he is. He's somewhere in his mid 40s, which is only 10 years older than me. So it's just so funny to see just the way, but, but I, what I realize is that that is the authority of God, the authority that God has given him to where he doesn't preach like the scribes. He preaches as one that has authority. Brother Ray says, that's the way you have to be. Sister Brittany says, what do you think about believers who can't fathom America falling? I know whether you say falling or failing. That's my glasses. They believe in the rapture before the tribulation and that persecution and harm won't come their way. That's a good question, sister. I'm, I'm not going to answer it tonight, but I'm going to do some study. I still got those questions that, that uh, I asked you to send me. So at some point, I got to buckle down, and, and one day we'll have a dedicated either teaching or solid talk about those. Nicole, sister Nicole says, Steph ain't weary either. LOL. Our sister Bo. <laughs> yeah, sister Stephanie. I love sister Stephanie. She, um, Sister Stephanie will tell it like it is, and I love that about her. You know, see, see folks think, I feel like the rest of the, our little bunch thinks Stephanie is is more bolder than I think she is. Now I think she is bold, but I guess it's not like other people like Stephanie bold. And maybe it's just because the DC in me. I just take it as like it is what it is. Because I've had people call me bold, and I didn't used to think I was like super bold. But people be like, you just say something and you just say it. And then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe I do. But I just think that's just uh, that's like the East Coast, D.C., a little bit New York, a little bit Philly. Those <laughs> those type of cities is like is 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 wintertime. It get cold there. You know what I mean? It ain't California. It ain't Florida. It ain't the South. You know, we ain't we ain't eating as good as y'all. So we're a little bit more angry. We're a little bit upset. You know, if I had some collard greens and some biscuits or something like that, maybe I <laughs> maybe I would come on here preaching like. Every day is Friday or something like that. But yeah, Sister Stephanie, I love Sister Stephanie. You know, just a true blessing to this ministry. So I praise God for her. Tatiana says, some believers are putting on a show. Just saying, oh, sister, you about to get it started. We ain't going to start at 912, though. Sister Sherry says, that's exactly how I explain the fear of God to my children. Amen. Tatiana says, they don't fear God. They want praises from men. Wow. Marsha says, every time I read the Old Testament, I get scared. 
<laughs> Amen, sister. You should get scared and appreciative of Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God bless you. Set free by the Most High. Uh, I'm just kind of reading these comments real quick, family. Sister Roxanne says, Brother Greg, all, all I think she's saying, all I know is that God is going to turn this world upside down. If we're not in God's word, then we might become fooled. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're right about that, sister. I, listen, I got to buckle down. This quarantine made me mess around and get fat. So I got I to gotta get active spiritually and physically active and mentally. Marcia says, I read the book of Amos today. I don't want to be on the judgment side of God ever again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Ray says, that's that's the Jesus only for the grace doctrine or prosperity gospel. Yeah, he's talking about when Paul said another Jesus, which tells me I'm probably far up. Let me let me, <laughs> let me get through this. Yeah, heart of repentance. Absolutely. God bless you, Askenazi. I'm going to kind of start like midway here. I don't know where I left off. I'm just start kind of like random, like right here. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Shaki's, Ashkenazi, excuse me, said, yeah, hoarding is indeed a spiritual issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Marsha says, very good analogy, Brother Greg. I knew a hoarder and it was a like a maze getting in and out of their house. They are truly bound. It's sad when you know one. Yeah, there's different levels to it. There's different levels to it. A lot of it, you know, they have a term called retail therapy, retail therapy. People say that as a joke, but it's a real thing. You really can be depressed and you go shopping and it just feels good. So I've seen a little bit of hoarding from my mom. She's nowhere near like on the shows and she's actually gotten much better over the years. Praise the Lord. You know, but even I got a little teeny little hoarder in me. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, um, I try to keep my place pretty clean, but every now and then if I get lazy, it can start to kind of get like that. Not like the show, <laughs> not like the show, but like that. Or every now and then I might want to buy a little something, you know, just cause I just feel like I get the shopping bug. So it's just about kind of learning ourselves and knowing why we do the things we do. Sometimes you just might want to shop, you know, sometimes you might, you know, I bet get a little tired. Then you just, you just get the, hoarder bug but then sometimes you get the cleaning bug you know once you get that cleaning bug you put that gospel music on your house be looking like mr clean was up in there so it's all sorts of ends of the spectrum roxanne says i never thought to look at hoarders as a spiritual issue now i see where you're going with this yes yeah, sister it's absolutely spiritual marcia says they do they do not want you to touch or move anything in their home and if you do they go berserk well, the thing about hoarding is hoarding is visual noise. Now, when we think about noise, noise, we think about audible, something loud, something that's a nuisance, something that's annoying. You think about dogs barking, ambulance, babies crying. But just as much as you have audible noise, you also have spiritual noise and you also have mental noise. Now, what this looks like is is like hoarding. You know what I mean? You want to keep the noise on as a as a coping mechanism, because as long as there's noise, I don't have to focus on me. 
if I got a house and I got a dead cat over there and I got four old TVs over there and a bunch of DV, uh, VHSs that I'm not going to ever watch. And, you know, it's so much stuff to distract me that I love to be distracted by the noise. OK, Lord willing, we're going to do a project. A uh, group of us in the ministry is called When Silence Becomes Beautiful. And we're going to be talking about this exact topic, the idea of when we use noise as a coping mechanism, because silence is not always beautiful. We have to grow to the point where silence is, is beautiful. If I'm sitting in the room and there's no social media, it's no YouTube, it's no babies crying, it's no family, it's no busyness from my job, it's, it's not any clutter, it's just me and my thoughts and the Lord, do I have peace in that moment? Do I have peace with God? A lot of the reason why we keep the noise is because we don't have peace with ourselves and we don't have peace with God. And because of that, it's like, I just want to be distracted. It's, it's almost like drinking. I just want an escape. I just want an escape. Sis, uh, uh, Traces, of, uh, Traces of Ashes says, just like my 600 pound life show. Yeah, I've, I've glanced at that show before, too. That's another wild one. You know, all of that stuff, hoarding, debt, uh, being morbidly obese, all of that is a result of unaddressed sin. It's when you let sin. See, sin compounds. It compounds. So if it's, 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 it's like interest. It, it grows exponentially. And that's how folks can get to that point. You know, I've been watching a lot of um guy named Dave Ramsey lately. The Lord get me into finances now so he might want me to teach on that soon and i know prosperity junk but good stewardship we'll probably have a, a, a solid talk on that one day let me see what we uh jewel says yes oh my goodness you hit the nail on the head that's how i feel like i need to clean up again yeah yeah praise the lord for the lord cleaning us up God bless you, New Age to Save. She says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through and a red places, maybe dry, she meant to say, it goes through dry places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and garnished and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Absolutely, sister. That's Bible. Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. Absolutely. <laughs> sister Nicole says, this is what I'm talking about, how you bond with people over silly stuff. She said, I bonded with someone off of a laptop cover. LOL. She later became my client. So don't come for me, Gregory. LOL. Well, look, I ain't saying all of them are bad. You know, it's a lot of people you meet, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, you know. So you got fortunate. I don't like to. I don't believe in luck, but, you know, you were shown some favor. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ash, uh, Ashkenazi Christian says, in my humble opinion, Deuteronomy 32, a.k.a. Moses' song, doesn't get its due where its prophecy is concerned. For me, end times events are summed up in it more than in some better known verses. I'm going to try to commit to reading that Ashkenazi Deuteronomy 32. I'm going to check that out. Sister Marsha says I had to emotionally raise myself and I will not say I did a good job. I'm trying, though, definitely wrestle with some arrested development. It is what it is by the grace of God. I can go. Amen. 
praise the Lord. That's that's our generation, sister. There there was a vacuum of parenting missing. This is why life coaching is so popular. This is why adulting is actually a term because a generation dropped the ball. Most of the dropping of the ball had to do with faith because the relationship with God and the scriptures is where we get the principles. These literally are basic instructions before leaving earth. So the real issue is that we have abandoned the word of God. So just like you, uh, I had to come to this Bible to find out uh, what a man is and who a man is supposed to be. Okay. God bless my dad. He was a, he was a good dad. I consider him a man. Right. But he didn't really instill the biblical principles and he, he, he instilled some principles that were in the Bible, but not from the lens of the Bible. But there were also some principles that he well, I'll say some examples that I saw that contradicted the Bible. So my point being that even though I had a, a what I would consider a great dad or a really good, a very good dad, especially relatively speaking, I still had to go to this Bible to learn how to be a man. Just like a woman, when she becomes saved, she has to go to the Bible if she was not raised, you know, under the right tutelage to find out how to become a woman. So it's, 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 it's the same thing, sister, that many other people in our generation had to do. So don't don't beat yourself up about it. Praise the Lord. Sister Nicole said, you've been talking a lot about iPhones, bro. You're going to finally make the switch. LOL. Ditch the Android 2021. Now, I love Android. I love Android. I like Android. I've been with Android from the beginning. It's not that I can't afford an iPhone. I can afford an iPhone. That's no biggie. I just literally prefer Android. I think that iPhone be late to get stuff. You know, it's a lot of stuff they can do. I'd be like, we've been had that. Ashkenazi says, is this brother Bowden from Dallas, Texas? Uh, no, sister. This brother Bowden is in Tennessee and his name, last name is spelled B-O-L-D-E-N. He's a very sound brother. Uh, I guess the only place where he and well, one of the main places he and I kind of disagree. He's uh, Jesus only. You know, uh, I don't want to get into that. I think a lot of that is just nomenclature, you know, but anyway, other than that, though, he's like very sound. He's just sound in general. Now, he's stern. I always say you're going to leave his sermon and try to figure out if you say I be leaving Brother Bowden's sermon like, man, I need to get saved one day. But no, I just that's that's what I need. That's what I like. So he might not be for everybody else. You know, he does a lot with marriage and family. He um he's stern on them marriages. He's stern on them wives. So I'm giving you a heads up now. Marcia says, you're right, because I will be 50 next month. I'm older than brother Bolden. He seems older than me. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> brother. And you know, the funny thing about brother Bolden, we're going to close, close out with this. The funny thing about Brother Bowden, he was telling a um, testimony one time. Where he, I think he said he used to have, like, earrings. And I think he said, yeah, like, a crazy haircut. And it's just so funny when you hear stuff like that. I mean, I used to have earrings, too. Not for a long time. But, like, right before I got saved, I got some expensive diamond earrings. And I was trying to stunt and all this stuff. But that's what people need to see. They need to see the change in folks. The change in folks. God bless you both, soldier for Christ. Praise the Lord. Good to see you on, brother. We actually just about to pop off. 
or get off, I should say. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, family, I'm glad we was able to chop it up tonight. God is truly good. He is worthy to be praised. That's all I have in this solid talk. Where is the line? I'm going to wrap it up with this. Jesus told that guy, don't tell anybody. Just go to the priest and do what Moses commanded. The reason why Jesus told him after he healed him of that leprosy is because he knew that when I heal this dude, if people find out about it, it's going to be a line around the corner. And that guy went and told everybody he knew. And there was a line of people. Jesus could not even enter into the city because there were so many people that wanted to. What is going on? What must I do to be saved? Where is that line today? What does society have to do to recognize Jesus and who he is? What do we have to do as believers to blaze abroad the matter? That's all I have in this solid talk family. I pray that you guys have been blessed by this message. That's all I have in this solid talk. You all take care and be blessed. This is solid talk. Speaking out loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. I keep it solid, I'm dropping knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, just like you done went to college. Devil know we working, his goal is to try to stop it. Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it. Controversial topics, just to keep it honest. Truth hit hard, just like it's a blunt object. Culture living godless, I can't even call it. We in the last days, Babylon is falling. Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya This walk can get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh, only around the Shelby say we trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next True believers, they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, then I go we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages the blood of jesus covers all my sin and it erases i pleaded and believe it so it covers all my bases Speaking out loud in depth cancel culture can't keep me in check in from beginning gotta tell us what's next true believers they can come and connect call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect try and keep my sanity amongst calamity social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity pc culture on a mission and they try to cancel me but i know jesus gonna to keep me covered like a canopy blood give me amnesty no i can't handle me not where i want to be but best believe i plan to be flesh wrestle against the spirit main event and slambery so i need them every day this daily weekly annually iron sharp as iron so i'm strengthened by my brethren we may not meet down here but guarantee the link in heaven the born again and righteous are the ones he's gonna let in let's keep the faith and be amongst the saints when they step in